Welcome in everyone to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I am joined, as I always am, by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, also the radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which is airing in Tuscaloosa weekdays, 11 to noon on 100.9. The Talking Tide Twitter feed for you is Talking underscore Tide. You can get links to all of our podcasts there. And, of course, you can also get us at the web host, which is podbean.com, also iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We want to thank Peterbrook Chocolatier. We want to thank North River Dental Associates uh, for sure. More on them a little bit later. They sponsor the show. Uh, but we're going to be talking to Alabama Draft coming off uh, a record-tying draft performance from Alabama. Travis, uh, uh, a lot of Nick Saban's draft classes at Alabama have been said to be threats to the University of Miami's record six first round selections, which was achieved in 2004 for the Hurricanes. They've all fallen short. Uh, As a matter of fact, Saban hadn't even gotten to five until Thursday night, and he ties the Hurricanes uh, with six first round picks, a remarkable draft class. They end up with uh, 10 uh, selected all together, and uh, before I get your thoughts on that, Travis, I just, I guess, just, just to run through them really quickly. Uh, Jalen Waddle first to go at number six to the Dolphins. Uh, Pat Sertan to the Broncos at nine. Devontae Smith to the Eagles at ten. Mac Jones to the Patriots at fifteen. Alex Leatherwood to the Raiders at seventeen, and finally Najee Harris to the Steelers at twenty-four. We'll get into some of the other picks. Uh, a little bit later, but Travis, your uh, uh, first blush thoughts on uh, what this draft class uh, became on Thursday night? I guess as much as anything, Chase, just amazing that 2017 group in terms of what they were able to accomplish both on the field and now moving ahead to the National Football League. And, you know, that chase, as you said, for the 2004 Miami draft class with those six first rounders, it kind of seemed like it was unattainable at some time at some points because we saw some groups of Alabama contingencies, uh, you know, in previous years, you thought, well, that this is the group to do it. And, and, and they didn't seem to quite get there, but this group did it. I don't know if they did it in terms of the exact individuals. I think we talked about it before. There were pretty much the five slam dunks that you anticipated having their names called in the first round, but, Maybe in the eyes of some folks, a little bit of a surprise that it was Alex Leatherwood and not Christian Barmore uh, that was the first rounder that gave Alabama that sixth. And really, when you heard Najee Harris called at 24 and he was the sixth already, didn't you didn't you think that seven was coming at that point? I mean, you kind of felt like, well, this is sort of a shoe-in. They're going to go over the top of Miami and set that record for themselves. But alas, it wasn't meant to be. But again, just amazing when you think especially about the 2017 recruiting class and, you know, everything it's, it's uh, all the boxes that it's checked. Yeah, there's no doubt what, what I had heard. And I I think what was pretty much conventional wisdom uh, is that was that Christian Barmore or Landon Dickerson would be the most likely sixth first round pick. Uh, Now, of course it all comes with a caveat every year because there's always, uh, surprises in the draft, sometimes big ones. 
Uh, like you said, Travis, the five everybody thought would, would surely go went. Leatherwood, well, though, you're right. He wasn't the guy that was being talked about as the potential six. He was looked at by uh, certainly the media and a lot of other folks who, who know what they're talking about as a day two guy. Uh, however, you know, the, the, the clubs don't necessarily see it, how it's viewed on the outside. And I think that's, uh, I think this is one good example. I mean, look, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the senior bowl earlier today tweeted that, uh, there were a handful of teams, uh, who had Leatherwood rated as a first round grade and as, uh, you know, the, the best tackle available picking, between 20 and 32, right after uh, Mike Mayock's Raiders were, Las Vegas Raiders. And so, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, Mayock's, it, you know, Mayock's took a lot of heat, and that and that's fine. I'll go to bat for Mayock here. Uh, if, you, if, if you take, and look, Jim Nagy talks to GMs. He talks to upper-level scouting people throughout. And I know there's smoke blowing left and right. I get that. Uh, but. Nevertheless, if, if you lend any credence at all to that, that there were clubs looking to maybe grab Alex Leatherwood in the 20s somewhere, uh, then, you, then you can't knock Mayock for pulling the trigger on the guy he wanted. No, and I'll put it as simple as this. If Isaiah Wilson went first round last year out of Georgia and the train wreck that that became, right. he's already out of the league. You know, when I saw Isaiah Wilson go first round last year, late in the first round of the Tennessee Titans, and sort of that uh, just bizarre, bizarre scene on his draft night involving, I guess, what was his girlfriend who plopped down in his lap on the live coverage and then his mother digging her out of his lap and thinking at the time, if this dude went first round, who's to say Alex Leatherwood wouldn't have gone first round last year? You know, so we're talking about a position of value. We're talking about a guy that from an injury perspective or a character perspective, no red flags that I'm aware of anyway, Chase, three-year starter, and you've got a sample size already on him of working inside at guard. So there's some comfort in knowing you're not taking Alex Leatherwood 17th because you think he's going to be a guard in 2021, but... If it doesn't work out at tackle, then you're comfortable in knowing you probably got a 10-year guy at guard. I've made the comparison to James Carpenter in the past. I'm going to stick with that. And, uh, you know, so when you really think about it, maybe it shouldn't have come as as big a surprise as it did. I I agree. How about Mac Jones at 15 to the Patriots? We'll touch on that certainly for a minute or two. Talk was that Mac Jones might go as high as three to the 49ers. They end up taking Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. uh, And Mac falls past the Falcons decide not to go quarterback at four. A couple teams before the Patriots uh, that certainly could have taken a quarterback decide not to. And uh, look at Bill Belichick in the middle of the round, Travis, picking up uh, picking up Mac Jones. Pretty funny going into the draft on Thursday. You were on my radio show, Southern Fried Sports, and you know all these rumblings about oh the Saints are going into the top ten, and watch out for Belichick going up into the top ten for a quarterback. And really, there was a lot of smoke, but not all that much fire. Obviously, you had some movement before the draft, well before the draft. But at the end of the day, things kind of just. Uh, Sat sat in their in their order. I guess there was a deal or two, but um, and it just seemed 
perfect the way it worked out. Probably for just about every one of Alabama's first rounders, right? I mean, Leatherwood, again, whether or not you consider him a surprise or not, I guess you could take that into consideration. But Dolphins needed a receiver, needed a playmaker, made total sense there. Eagles definitely in need of help on the outside. Uh, the Steelers needed a running back. Uh, Najee there made sense. And then Mac, of course, uh, with Belichick. And, you know, we know the guys he's played for, too, because you covered Bowles football back in your days as a preps editor uh, at the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville. And, man, you just, again, you think about the the kind of path that, that Mac's going to have taken through football from the high school, college, and, and NFL levels. Uh it's one for all time. I bet you there are calluses on Mac Jones's eardrums. Well, <laughs> yeah, you knew Charles Buxton. Yeah, Corky Rogers the fourth pretty well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah it, it it hadn't just been Nick Saban uh, uh-uh. chewing no, on no, his no. ear for the last. Yeah, week. I think I think Mac got to Alabama and kind of looked at Nick like that's all you got <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after playing for Corky. <laughs> Oh, uh, Mac Jones uh, to 15 to the New England Patriots. Uh, the other draft picks said we'd get to those. Certainly, uh, we've talked about a couple of these guys a little bit, I guess. Christian Barmore goes to the aforementioned Patriots, 38th overall, uh, second round. Landon Dickerson, a pick before that, actually, 37th overall, second round to the Eagles. So now you got Jalen Hurts, Landon Dickerson, and Devontae Smith all uh, working that Philly offense. Deontay Brown, the offensive lineman to the Panthers. That was a sixth rounder. Uh, And Thomas Fletcher to the Panthers, the long snapper in round six as well. Undrafted Dylan Moses, Miller Forrestal. They go uh, undrafted free agent signees with uh, the Jaguars for Moses, the Titans for Forrestal. And Travis, two years ago, who who could have fathomed a long snapper from Alabama being drafted before Dylan Moses? No, no one, no one that I know of. And just even five or six months ago, and that's understanding Thomas Fletcher, very good at what he does. Another one of these Alabama snappers that has stepped right in as a freshman, a true freshman, Cole Moss that did it. Um, You know, some other guys as well. Carson Tinker, obviously a very good snapper during his time at UA went on to, uh, pretty lengthy NFL career. Mazza has been up in the National Football League. So I guess uh, Snapper U, too, you can kind of look at Alabama as. But, yeah, it's kind of tough to watch, wasn't it? Um, knowing that Dylan was still there on day three and also understanding just the injury history that he's had these last couple of years. And, um, you know, that's that's the tough thing. It, it sounds like the Jacksonville deal he was able to get um, – that they're going to maybe exude some patience with him and give him a chance to get back to full health. And then, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. The, the, the tea leaves definitely say that this had to have been a medical deal because despite the fact that Dylan Moses didn't play great in 2020, and I think he'd be the first to say that, uh, there's more than enough game tape prior to that, Travis, 18, 19, of Dylan Moses playing at a high, more than high enough level uh, to be a Sunday guy in, in some kind of role. Uh, so, it, it, look, there was draftable tape on him out there. It just wasn't 2020 tape. I thought he was going to go on the final day. I knew he'd be 
waiting around a while for sure. Uh, but I did think his, his name would get called. Uh, you you got to think something in that medical file might have might have kind of kind of sunk him here. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, he was coming off the ACL from August of 2019 and then apparently had the meniscus injury last year. So it was kind of a uh, one thing after another situation for him. And then, you know, he tries to do the right thing for his team and, and show that he is a, a captain type and, you know, wants to play. And But you could tell pretty much he just he wasn't back. And it was obviously because he had additional issues that he was trying to work through. And, you know, NFL scouts, as you know, Chase, they appreciate the effort. They appreciate you. Think about it. I mean, if ever Dylan Moses could have just opted out in a season, right? Right. It was this last season. And the guy not only played, he played through stuff. So you just hope for him that the situation in Jacksonville, or if it ends up being somewhere else, is one where we get to see him achieve a extended stretch of good health and, you know, live up to that potential that we've really been hearing about since the eighth grade. And we did see some of it. I mean, his sophomore year, he was Alabama's best inside linebacker. He had a better year than Mac Wilson, you know, in 2000 and I guess it was 2018, 18. but um, yeah, need to need to get healthy first and foremost. Before we move on, Travis, let's just toss out a name. Uh, out of this draft class, you expect to be uh, or think has a good chance, let's say, to be the best pro in the draft class. I'll start, I, and you can pick on me for taking the heaviest chalk if you want based on draft order, <laughs> but <laughs> but I like Jalen Waddle at six to be uh, have a great chance to be the best pro out of this draft class. I think he's uh, – I, I think his, his – Ability to make people miss in the open field is going to carry him a long way in the NFL, not only uh, as a guy who can take a short pass and make a big gainer out of it, but also as a return guy. I think he'll flourish at the next level in that regard as long as he stays healthy. Um, he's He's been a guy that, that I've I, – I, I think even when he was a freshman and just caught a ball here or there, he, he showed NFL-level explosiveness even then. And three years later – He's he's the first player picked in this class. I th- I think Miami got a good one. I know Tua Tagovailoa is more than pleased to to have him around. Yeah, I think I I like the pick. I mean, it's hard to go against Jalen. And you said a lot of the things, uh, pretty much all of them that I would would have said myself about him. I guess the one thing I don't know if there's as much value in the return game as there once was. That's not to say he still can't make an impact in that area, but between player safety and rules changes and all those things, uh, it just seems harder than ever to return kickoffs and punts uh, effectively. So I still think he'll he'll have a couple of those uh, probably early in his career. I'm going to go Devontae Smith. I I think he is – I don't know who said it, but it's great. I think he's pissed off for greatness at this point especially after all the talk and all the questions about his size. And, you know, I think he and Jalen are pretty similar. You worry maybe more about their health than you do anything else based on their respective sizes. Uh, But I like Devontae in that so many different things you can do with him. You can play him outside. uh, You can play him inside. You can use him in the high motion, the 
pre-snap motion and stuff like that. He's been exposed to so much, uh, especially over the last two years in terms of the Sarkeesian offense and uh, are the the Sarkeesian version of the Alabama offense. I think Nick Saban would prefer that. But, no, I, 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 it's hard for me to not go with uh, Devontae. I, I think Jalen Waddle's a hell of a competitor, too. And that's where I usually break ties with guys is, you know, what is this dude all about? And I think for these Alabama first-rounders, that's what you're pretty much looking at across the board. I think Najee could be that type of guy in Pittsburgh for sure. Um, But I'm going to go Devontae. The biggest thing I worry about with Devontae is the quarterback situation. And I know it's not popular probably among some Alabama fans to say that. Is Jalen Hurts legitimately the answer at quarterback for the uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, or or who will it be? Right. Um, I, I like Jalen's quarterback situation for sure better in Miami. Yeah, Dickerson and Smith are definitely going to help Hurts be the best he could be, however good that is. Uh, no question about it. All right, we're going to move on. Thank a couple of sponsors here on the Talking Tide podcast. Next, we're going to start by telling you about North River Dental Associates and former Alabama football player, Dr. Jack Smalley, uh, and his great staff of dental hygienists. They do every kind of dental work there is. Get in there, whether it's porcelain veneers, pediatric dentistry for your kids, laser dentistry. They can do the teeth whitening services that are so popular. you got an event coming up, maybe a wedding this summer or something you've got planned long term. You want to get those teeth whiter for it. Get in there, see Dr. Jack. Dental implants, dentures, oral surgery, they do it all. Uh, call them at 752-3506. Also, you can make an appointment at NorthRiverDentist.com. And on a routine cleaning, they're going to get you in and out of there typically in less than an hour. Check them out. It's North River Dental Associates right in Fairfax Park uh, off of Watermelon Road. I'm going to keep you out there in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. I'm going to send you to Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the in that aforementioned Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. You know, you really can't go wrong, regardless of kind of the time of day that you choose to swing by SAH. You're either going to hit it for lunch, where you're going to find some of those outstanding sandwich options, whether it's Yardbird uh, chicken sandwich, whether it's one of those great burgers, they're going to take great care of you. Maybe you want to go a little lighter. They have a shrimp salad that is out of this world. Uh, they have a chopped wedge that we've talked about on the program before. You get a little grilled chicken on that chopped wedge. And the house-made dressings that go on top of those salads, those uh, biscuit croutons that they have as well for those salads are tremendous as well. Maybe you get by there for happy hour. Always a happening happy hour around Southern Alehouse. Thursdays, you're going to have live music. The weather's getting so much better. You're going to have live music out on that deck at Southern Alehouse. Then, of course, the weekends. Yeah, by there, it's lunch, it's dinner, maybe it's brunch on the weekend at Southern Alehouse, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Also want to tell you about right next door, Peterbrook Chocolatier, the dynamic duo of that area of Tuscaloosa. Right next door from Southern Alehouse, Peterbrook Chocolatier. You got summer camps coming up, Good Bread. We're not that far removed. It's pretty much empty nesters at this point. We used to scramble around trying to figure out what to do with the kids in the summer. Yeah. Well, why not the chocolate camp at Peterbrook Chocolatier? Give them a call at 
752-0211. Get that little one. Maybe even yourself. You can go. Look, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa. You're welcome to at the Peterbrook Chocolate to your summer camps. 205-752-0211. You also got Mother's Day coming up next Sunday. I mean, do I need to say any more about taking care of mama on Mother's Day with some of that outstanding chocolate from Peterbrook Chocolatier? Walk into mom's house with clean teeth from Dr. Jack <laughs> and then just ruin it with the chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, the Target Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in the Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. We're going to bounce around the SEC and look back at a couple of these draft classes from Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Travis, here's what I'm going to do. This will be fun. I'm going to run down for you uh, every school in the SEC other than Alabama really quickly with, with how many picks they had total for each. And I want you, and and uh, each one of us, uh, we'll, we'll pounce on a number that strikes you good or bad. All right. Uh, so here we go. I, I, I'll start, I'll just run it down. You go first, I'll go second. I got, I got a school in mind that I don't think you'll pick. Uh, so I, I expect us to get, uh, two different conversations out of this, but here we go. Georgia comes in at nine, Florida comes in at eight, LSU seven, Kentucky six, Missouri five, South Carolina, four, Auburn, four, A&M, four, Ole Miss, two, Tennessee, two, Mississippi State, two, Arkansas and Vanderbilt, one each. Any of those numbers jump out at you? Gosh, you hit me with so many. Um, I would say Georgia, nine, because it didn't really start off that way, did it, for the Bulldogs? Right. Right. Yeah, they, they got uh, uh, one first rounder. Stokes, of course, goes 29 overall. Uh, and then it kind of went from there. Kind of the, the, the reverse Alabama with, with Georgia, right? Georgia and Alabama. Alabama was so much, uh, let's, let's be honest, the, 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 the marquee uh, top of the draft power. And then it was Georgia kind of throughout the draft, I guess. Tyson Campbell to the Jags there in the second round. That was that was essentially a late first rounder. I think he went what, 33 overall? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh uh six out of nine picks out of Georgia were defensive players. No surprise. That's kind of a that that's that could be end up being a kind of a signature uh thing to expect from Kirby Smart Travis, but six out of nine on the defensive side for the Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah, and I thought this draft for Georgia was it was it was solid again in terms of total numbers, but I think if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm thinking as well, well, we didn't have six first rounders like Alabama, and so that only heightens the expectation for Kirby going yeah. into 2021. We we must have all our first rounders coming back because we only <laughs> had one late first and then an early second. So, uh, Kirby, I don't, I don't think he's at a point where he can kind of escape the, the expectations moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. The school that kind of jumped out at me in these numbers, Travis, Kentucky was six. And I, I'm going to tell you, it's time to either praise Mark Stoops for one of two things. And look, you know, the wins and losses, the bulls, the team success is one thing. 
the the recruiting slash developmental success is another and it's time it's it's time to tip the cap to this guy, Travis. I mean, either either it's his recruiting or it's his development. But they just had six guys go in the draft, which is obviously a, a big number for Kentucky. But they've had some other big numbers under Stoops in recent years. Had a first-round pick go on Thursday night and, and uh, the Davis kid at linebacker, Jamin Davis. Uh, but, th- but then you look back at what Stoops has done uh, in terms of producing these guys – you got Josh Allen, right? The first round pick yeah. of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, you can go back to Bud Dupree, who was a first round pick with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Lonnie Johnson, uh, second day pick as a defensive back uh, to the Houston Texans. And Mark, Mark Stoops is turning them out for the NFL better than uh, any Kentucky coach I can name before him. No, there's no doubt. And part of it was helped. They had a transfer. Think about LSU in that secondary. Kelvin Joseph, the Kentucky corner who went in the second round to the Cowboys, you know, he was a transfer from LSU. So right. you look at the corners for LSU next year, Derek Stingley Jr., who you anticipate being a highly coveted three and out uh, for the 2022 NFL draft, and then Eli Ricks probably for 2023 it's looking right now. So uh, – yeah, Stoops does a nice job. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They uh, they recruit better than you think. Uh, they recruit to their style probably better than most teams. They're disciplined in their approach. They don't get distracted. Uh, it doesn't seem like they take their kind of guys. And then, as you said, they, from a developmental standpoint, kind of like Dan Mullen that way. You know, Dan's in a better situation now at Florida, but pretty much – Mark Stoops at Kentucky, to me, Dan Mullen at Mississippi State. Kind of the same deal. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I throw one guy, before we get out of here, I'll throw one at you that I thought was, uh, that I expected to go faster. So I guess we could call this an SEC uh, slip and fall. I didn't see Seth Williams going as late as he went in the sixth round. And, and you know, the knock, the scouting knocks on Seth Williams, Travis, were, were these pretty much said, look, not a blazer, more of a red zone guy. Mm-hmm. Didn't like his Didn't like his route running. Uh, felt like he, he he's uh, had a long way to go in terms of, uh, you know, well, I mean, how many routes does how many routes does Gus have three? <laughs> I mean, how's that's a that fair point too. You know, yeah. that's Seth's fault that he ran three routes in three yeah. years or four years, whatever it was. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, what are your, th- I, what I saw in Seth Williams though, was a guy that, that could be a monster, uh, yes. uh at, the, at the catch point when he wanted to be. And I, I, I thought he should have gone sooner. I guess what you worry about is Seth Williams, Laquan Treadwell, or is Seth Williams more along the lines of say an AJ Brown potentially anyway. Right. So I, I can see where there's a little bit of both ways. I love Seth Williams. He's a Tuscaloosa guy, uh, former basketball player of note at the high school level. So, yeah, uh, a lot of the skills and attributes that he presents on the football field come to him honestly. So uh, I, I would think the speed thing was probably legitimate in terms of worrying about you know his ability to separate and create space in the national football league, but you're right. If it's a 50, 50 type opportunity, I think an NFL comp for him could be DJ Chark of the Jaguars. I I think, I think that's kind of the, 
the ballpark that Seth Williams could ultimately live in. How about Kyle Trask getting underneath Tom Brady with the Bucks in the second round? Didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't see that. I didn't it see him a little high. high but yeah, it, a little high. It did. It did. Um, I, I love Kyle Trask. I mean, great story. Guy, kind of like the the Mac Jones of the SEC East, right? Waited his turn. Was kind of an afterthought. Wasn't even a starter in high school. Sat behind De'Eric King out in Manville, Texas, but. And had a huge year. I mean, an incredible year. Um, but I think you could make the assertion that he had even more help around him than Mac had yeah. last season, especially after Waddle went out, right? Right. I mean, when you had Pitts, and I understand Pitts didn't play in every game last year, but Tony and Copeland and Grimes. Um, Tony was a first round. Tight end, too. Yeah. And they had backs that could catch it like Alabama had. So, yeah, Tony was a first-rounder. So, um, I'm happy for the guy. I love the story, but I, I was a little surprised. But, you know, Bruce Arians, he knows his quarterbacks, loves his quarterbacks. So, Arians must have felt very, very strongly about that one. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. Uh, we've come to an end here for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to check back in with us throughout the summer. We will drop one here and there. Uh, as breaking news merits, although things will be a little spotty uh, between now and uh, two-a-days, which is usually when uh, we crank it back up in earnest over at the Talking Tide podcast. But for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Covered Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.